Happy New Year. I hope your year is going well. I am very happy to see many of you here today, some faces that I haven't seen in a while. May the Lord bless you. I, I pray that we can make the decision to stay closer to God. You know, everything in life is about the choices that we make. Um, there are very few things outside of us that we can control. But we can control what happens here. We can control our thoughts. We can control our attitudes. We can control the way we react to things. We cannot control our environment most of the time, but we can control the way we react to that environment. And by controlling our reaction, many times we do end changing things. So I pray that in this year we can choose to choose. And that may sound, what on earth are you talking about? Yes, we have the power of choice. You know, many times we feel trapped and we feel that we have no options, that we are forced to do things and we are forced into situations. The reason is that we choose what we do. And we choose how to react. And yes, you may have a horrible boss. You have the freedom to choose how to react to your horrible boss. You may have a horrible spouse. I'm not looking at anyone, okay? <laughs> I will repeat that. <laughs> you may have a horrible spouse. But you have the freedom to choose how you react to that spouse. Decide. You may have a horrible pastor, <laughs> but you can choose how to react. You know, that's one of the biggest powers that the Lord God has given to us. And it's very good when we have some before and after. Like nothing really happened a couple of days ago. Nothing happened. Everything is the same. But if you decide that something happened... If you decide that, that some things are left in the past and some things are coming in the future, then for you that's reality. And I pray that you can make some good, good, good choices and that you stick by your choices. Now today we want to talk about ultimate deliverance. Today we want to talk about what the Bible says about the coming of Christ. That is the blessed hope according to the scriptures. Now you should have received... A study guide as you came through the door. If by f for some reason you don't have a study guide with you and you are looking around, hey, I don't have that little paper that people have, just put your hand up and somebody will come and give it to you. Okay? Don't be shy. Just keep your hand up. Somebody will come and give it to you. Just, you know, maybe just hold with another arm. Somebody will come. Okay? Keep it up. Um, now, there are several questions in that guide, and we just want to begin with the very first question. That question says, can we be positive Jesus will return a second time? Now, the answer to this question, I will say, well, depends. If you believe in the Bible, and if you believe what Jesus said, then there is no doubt. Because our scripture reading was found in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Now, the screen is for lazy people. All right? I hope you have a Bible. And it's good um, 
discipline to open your own Bible and maybe you want to highlight text or if you don't like writing in your Bible, you can take notes somewhere else. But anyway, since I love you and I know some of you are lazy, we have the screen for easy um, reference, okay? John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Let's read together. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Now, who is speaking? Jesus Christ. And he is saying... Don't worry. Now, I don't have the time to elaborate, but I want to invite you. When you have some time, just read chapter 13 and flow into chapter 14. Because in chapter 13, you have Judas betraying Jesus. You have Peter, Jesus announcing to him that he is going to betray him. And if you read in the other chapters, you have Jesus telling all the other disciples, all of you are going to betray him. And then comes this. I don't know about you, but for me, that is so powerful. Jesus is telling all of his disciples, all of you guys are going to betray me. Nonetheless, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because it's not about you, it's about me. I know that you cannot keep a promise, but I can. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. I am telling you, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And I am going to prepare a place for you. And when that place is ready, I am going to come back. And I'm going to take you to be with me. So just trust on my promise. It's not about you. It's about me. I can keep a promise. I am able to keep a promise. So can we be certain that the Lord will come back? Well, I am certain. I believe in the Bible and I believe in the words of Jesus and that is what he promised. Now, in what manner will Jesus return the second time? You know, people have so many different ideas. Some people say Jesus already came. Some people say he comes to your heart spiritually. Some people say, well, he will actually never come or that will happen after a thousand years of peace, etc., etc., etc. I do not want to discuss today the theories of people. I just want for us today to read a couple of Bible texts and then come to conclusions. I think that's fair enough, right? So let's see what does the Bible says. In what manner, in which way will the Lord come back? Book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is happening when Jesus is going back up to the heavens after his resurrection. A cloud hid him from their side. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
I want you to notice two things there. That it says this same Jesus will come back in the same way. So what kind of Jesus was it there? Was that a ghost? No, he said a few days before, touch me. And he told them, because they didn't believe he was real, he said, you have something to eat? And he actually ate in their presence. And he told to Thomas, put your hand here, touch me and see. Stop doubting and believe. So this same Jesus is a Jesus with a real body. Nonetheless, a Jesus with a body that is somehow different from our body. Because the Bible says that in, in a couple of occasions they were in a room with closed doors. And the Lord just popped in. He appeared. And then he disappeared. So even though that body was physical, even though that body was real, even though that body could be felt and that body could eat, that body was not the same like the body that we have right now. So that's, you know, what the Bible says, this corruptible will put on uncorruptible and we will be changed. So it is physical, it's real, but it's not exactly the same. Now that same Jesus will come back in the same way. Now, in which way Jesus went? Was it a spiritual way? Was it a smoky way? Was it some secret way? No, they all saw him. The Bible says that there were 500 people there. So it wasn't something secret. It wasn't something mysterious. Uh, so he will go... He went in that way, and the Bible says he will come back also in a similar way. Now, will the second coming of Christ be visible to everyone or only to a select group? When he left, only a few people saw him. So when he will come back, will only a few people see him, or will everybody have a chance to see him? The book of Revelation gives us an answer in chapter 1 and verse 7. And the Bible says, look... He is coming where? He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierce him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. You know, for me this text is very, very clear. It's telling us first he is coming in the clouds. So it's, it's up there. It's talking about every eye. It's talking about all peoples. It even has... A little detail about the people who pierce him. So according to this text, when the Lord Jesus comes back, somehow the Lord is going to raise in some sort of special resurrection. He is going to raise the people who were directly involved in killing the Son of God. That's what that text says. How, when, how many? The Bible doesn't say but the Bible says that every eye will see him, including the eyes of those who actually killed him, who actually pierced him. So somehow they will be raised before the coming of the Lord. Who will come with Jesus at his second coming, and why are they coming? We want to look at the answer in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 30. And 31. You are noticing that in your guide you have quite a few verses, but I'm choosing only one of those. And sometimes the verse that I choose is not the verse that you have in the guide. Well, that's why we're here, right? If not, you can just read the guide at home and that's it. So Matthew 24, 
verse 30 and 31 says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So who is coming Jesus? Who is Jesus coming with? He is coming with angels. And these angels are coming just to make Jesus feel pimped, like, you know, have a look at all my boys. We are all coming, you guys. Is that it? No, they are coming because they are coming to bring the people of God from the time of Adam to the time of that last man at that time. So that's a lot of people. So the angels are going to be sort of, I don't know, crowd control. <laughs> Line up this way. You, hey, you're flying the wrong way. Come back, come back. I don't know how they will do it, but the Bible says the Lord is coming with his angels And those angels are coming to lead us to be with him forever. That's a beautiful, beautiful promise. Now, next question says, what is the purpose of Jesus' second coming to this earth? The Bible tells us in Revelation 22, verses 12 and 13. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Bible says that Jesus is coming to give a reward. But that word can fool you, because usually when we think about a reward, we think about something that is always positive, right? But he says that that reward is according to what each person has done. So maybe the best word would not be a reward, but a return, <laughs> a return on investment. So if you did the right kind of investment, you're going to receive a return on that investment. If you did a wrong kind of investment, then you are also going to receive a return on that investment. The Bible says, do not be fooled. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a person plants, that he will. You know, it's not like you are going to plant a, a corn seed and then an apple tree will come out. Will that happen? No. It's not like you're going to plant a tomato seed and a horse will pop out. That doesn't happen. And it's not like you're going to live your life like if God doesn't exist, exists, and then he's going to take you to be with him for eternity. Oh, you didn't give a thought to God during your whole life. So what do you think is going to happen at the end? So he is going to give, he is coming to give a reward to each one according to what we have done. Now, what will happen to the righteous people when Jesus comes that second time? Now we're talking about, I don't want to use the word good people because according to the Bible, no one is good. But 
I want to talk about people who have believed in Jesus, people who have accepted Jesus, people who are waiting for Jesus. What will happen to them? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 give us the answer. It says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Some people, talking about something else, but some people have the idea that when Jesus comes, it's somehow going to be a secret. And a few people use this verse to talk about that secret and mysterious rapture. Men, there is nothing secret about this verse. It's very now, uh, loud and noisy verse. There is a voice of the archangel. There is a trumpet of God. There are people popping up from the ground. Good Lord, that, that doesn't look very secret to me. So it says that those who are dead in Christ, they will rise first. But then also those who are alive, they will be caught up together and they will go with the Lord. So in some When he comes, he is going to do what he said he was going to do. He said, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what will I do? I will come back and then I will take you to be with me. So that's exactly what this text is telling us. Now, how about the other guys? How about the people who are not waiting for Jesus? How about the people who don't believe in Jesus? How about the people who God has been calling to their heart for so long, so long, so long, so long, but you have said, oh, next week, next month, next year, next decade, next life. What will happen? The Bible gives us an answer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 6 to 9. It's a little bit of a long passage, but let's read together. I love the first phrase. God is just. Can we read that again together? One, two, three. God is just. I don't know about you, but sometimes this planet, it's quite disappointing. Because you see that some people who have tried to live very good lives, they have a very hard time. And some very bad people, somehow, they're having a very good time. And you look up to heaven and you say, what's going on? Well, the Bible says that at the end, that God will make accounts and he will, he will balance the books, you know. Because God is just. And this is sort of payback time. I don't want to use that phrase in a bad way, but I hope you know what I mean. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. 
in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Now, please excuse me. I, I want to apologize you know, sometimes people feel that the gospel should be all nicey-nicey and lovey-lovey and uh, God will save you no matter what and, you know, just take your time. Whenever you want, it's fine. Well, no. No, actually the Bible gives quite a bit of urgency. The Bible says you need to choose today who you are going to follow because you don't know about tomorrow. Today we are here. And this evening we're taking a shower and we can sleep and we can pop our head open and that's it. Alas. I do want to scare you. I was going to say I don't want to scare you, but no, I do want to scare you. Because we need to think about our own mortality. We need to realize that we are here today and tomorrow we don't know. And the Bible says that for us who are, for people who are with Christ... Their destiny is with Christ. But for those who are without Christ, well, their destiny is without Christ. And God is life. If you choose to be away from God, some people think that there is eternal life in heaven and then there is eternal life in hell. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about eternal life and eternal death. So either you are existing forever with God or you will cease to exist forever without God. Um, there is no such thing as... Imagine you're a parent and you told your child not to do something and he did it. And so you say, well, you know, this needs to have a consequence. So your consequence is that you need to have a timeout. Okay. I'll go to my room. Okay, good. You'll go to your room. Good. And after one hour, he says, can I come out? Nope. After one day, can I come out? Nope. One week, can I come out? Nope. One month, can I come out? Nope. One year, can I come out? Nope. For whole eternity. That's what some people think God will do. But they don't think God will give us a timeout. They think that God will, you know, fry us for all eternity. Now, if you would not do that to your child, do you think that God will do that to his children? That's not what the Bible says. But the Bible talks about everlasting life, and the Bible talks about everlasting destruction, everlasting death. So we need to choose. We need to choose where we are in relationship to God, in relationship to life. Next question says, how will Christ's second coming affect the earth itself? We already know that the people who believe in God, they are with him. The people who reject God, they are with the opposite of God, meaning death. So what happens to the world itself, this thing that we live on? The Bible gives us an answer in the second letter that Apostle Peter wrote, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. 
Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. So again, do you think that the coming of the Lord will be something secret? Nobody will notice? Man, if the heaven is dissolving and the earth is melting, I guess you will notice. I have this light suspicion that you will notice. The Bible says that that time is the last day, the last moment. So you are either going up or you're going nowhere. And this planet we call home is going to be cooked. Well done. Very well done. Number nine, does the Bible give specific information regarding the nearness of Christ's second coming? Now, here in your guides, you have so many texts. So I am taking a different road. I am going to read a passage. It's a passage in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a longish passage. It's a few texts. But this gives us a very good summary of what the Bible says about how to know when the coming of the Lord is near. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. And we will begin reading in verse 6. Matthew 24. We are starting on verse 6. Jesus is speaking and he says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So actually what we many times thinks, think are signs, Jesus says they are not. This thing has to happen. This thing will happen. People will fight and they will kill each other. Don't be alarmed. This needs to happen. This is just life in a sinful world with sinful people. He continues saying, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. How many of you have given birth? I assume the men will not raise their hands, right? I'm just giving an example. How many of you have given birth? All right. Uh, do you remember how it was, how, how it begins? Does it begin a couple of hours before delivery? How many hours for you? Come on, don't be shy. Six hours? Longer? <laughs> yeah, some people begin to have contractions ooh, about a day before. Um, Jesus says that all this madness in the world, in the social world, in the natural world, these are the beginnings of birth pains. He's not saying that these are the birth pains. He's saying these are the beginnings of birth pains. Like this is telling you something is coming. Now, birth pains, they begin to more frequent, faster, stronger, faster, stronger, faster, stronger, faster, stronger, until eventually, I remember when um, Daily was having our first daughter, Esther. I was with her in the room. And uh, 
at the beginning, she was not um, having constructions. She was not dilating. So they have to give her some of this medicine that puts the body in overdrive. And she had a very hard time beginning to dilate. And then suddenly, a nurse just uh, um, bolts through the room. And she says, it's time. We need to take you now to theater. When she said that, I almost fainted. Whew. I lost everything. I went yellow and green and blue. And, you know, I was watching some of these cartoons when we were little. <laughs> and as she was being taken out in that uh, stretcher bed, she was telling me, don't worry, everything will be fine. <laughs> I was on the ground almost dead. Anyway. <laughs> Faster, stronger, until the time comes. And when that time comes, there is no turning back. You know, it's not like saying, oh, but let's, let's wait a few more minutes. No, man, that's the time to push, and that's it. It's done. Uh, put it off. No, you cannot put it off. So Jesus is speaking in symbolic terms. So in a way, these things are not signs. In another way, they are signs. Because he says, don't be troubled. This will always happen. On one side. But on the other side, these are like birth pains. So, yes, wars, we have had wars all the time. And earthquakes all the time. And famines all the time. And troubles all the time. But somehow you see that things begin to pick up a pace. And if you're reading the news, you notice that now Australia is burning. And earthquakes everywhere, and typhoons everywhere, and floods everywhere, and crazy sicknesses everywhere. And so, you know, I do believe that the Lord has given to each generation some big sign to keep us on our toes and to keep us aware. But he says these are the beginning of bear pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. If you think that this is not happening right now, think again. Christians are losing their lives in many, many countries around the world. Right now as we speak, there are hundreds of Christians incarcerated and being killed because of their faith. Sometimes we feel, no, man, that's not happening now. Yes, it is. And maybe we have somebody here who can say, yes, man, in my country it happens. So we need to be aware of what's happening around this world of ours. Let's continue reading verses 13 to 14. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. Do you see people turning away from faith? Hmm. Will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus gives us so many, kinds of dif uh, so many different kinds of signs. Some have to do with the natural world. Some with the social world. Some with the hearts of people. With the attitudes of people. The beliefs of people. And the last signs that he gives us. The gospel will be preached to the whole world. 
I praise God that we belong to a church that is present in more than 200 countries and territories recognized by the United Nations. But there is still a lot to do. But if you look at history, no other time in history Christianity was more widespread than today. And yes, other faiths are growing. Yes. But there is no other faith that is bigger or more widespread than Christianity. And the Bible says that this will continue until the end comes. Now notice, it doesn't say that the whole world will become Christian. It says that the gospel will be preached. And so, you know, sometimes we feel bad because, oh man, I'm trying to share my faith, but nobody is accepting. The Lord has not called us to somehow switch the brains of people. That's not within our power. We are just to share who we are and what we believe. He has called us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And when this job is done, he says, the end will come. Let's continue moving on. Question number 10. How can we know when we have reached the very last days of the earth history? Does the Bible describe the world and its people in that last generation? Let's have a look at a couple of texts. Um, I will read in chapter 3 and then in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Paul says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It looks like we're watching a movie or watching MTV or something. People without self-control. I think maybe this could be the, the bottom line of, of everything else. No self-control. You know, a few years ago, having discipline and having a work ethic and uh, doing your duty was a thing of honor. Today, that's for stupid people. Oh, man, your boss is not around and you're still working? And they give you the chance to steal and you're not stealing? That's stupid, man. And you can sleep with that girl or that boy, but you are not doing it? That's stupid. That's what the Bible said. And that's what we see all the time increasingly. People, you know, the, the, the morals of society are just completely flipped up to bottom. In chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, same Second Timothy, we read, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. You want to have your church fill? Well, talk about money. Talk about prosperity. Talk about unction and declaring. and well, That's part of the gospel. That is part of the gospel. That is not the whole gospel. Because you see, the whole gospel sometimes, many times actually, is not nice to hear. 
When somebody tells you that you are a sinner and you need to change, otherwise you are going down never to come up again, that's tough. We don't like to hear that. We don't like people to tell us that we have a problem. We don't like people to tell us that we are sinful and greedy and without self-control and that we need to change. But that is the gospel. Did you know that there are more than 30,000, no, what 30,000? 300,000 different Christian churches around this globe. That's a big number. That is a big number because people have itching ears to hear whatever they want to hear and they will get somebody to say that to them. Just how near is the Lord's second coming? I believe we have seen that it is very near, but can we have any more certainty? Now I want to give you the other side of the coin. Because we are just talking about preaching the whole gospel, not just part of the gospel. Read with me in Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44. Jesus says, therefore keep, therefore keep, let's try that again, therefore keep, which watch, this one? No, right? Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do what? You do not expect him. Well, Pastor, but then what, what's all about that? About wars and famines and earthquakes and all the rest? I thought those were the sign of the coming. Yes, but we have had those all the time. And it is so easy to sort of get used to things. I'm sure you heard about the story of the frog that is put on the path with the nice fresh water, right? And then you turn on the heat. That's a sign experiment for you boys. No, no, forget it. Don't do it. <laughs> if, you get, if you get a pant, a pot, put water on it, fresh water. You put a frog inside or, you know, this amphibious animal. Turn on the heat. Slowly, it will stay inside. It will never jump. The water will begin to boil, and the frog will never jump because they are cold-blooded animals. They don't realize this change in, 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 in temperature when it happens quite slowly. And that's what's happening to many people today because wars all the time and famines all the time and people getting worse all the time and the world going mad all the time, and somehow we get used to it. And somehow we think, well, you know, that's just life. What to do? The Lord is saying, watch out. Watch out. Because the Lord might just get you by surprise. And I do believe that on purpose, God gives big signs to people from time to time. Like, I feel I lived one of the signs of the coming of the Lord in 2011 when I was in Japan. Man, that was an earthquake. Biggest 
earthquake in recorded history in Japan. And they have a couple thousand years of recorded history. And from time to time, the Lord gives signs. And if you are watching the news, I believe you are watching signs that tell you the Lord is coming. Nonetheless, you need to stay awake. Because sometimes we get so discouraged by all the things that are happening that we just lower our guard. We need to finish Satan is telling many falsehoods regarding the second coming of Christ, and with lying wonders and miracles, he will deceive millions. How can you be certain that we will not be deceived? Well, Jesus tells us, if someone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there is the Messiah, we are not to believe it. He says, false messiahs, false prophets we appear. They will perform great signs and wonders. They will deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, hey, there it is in Burj Khalifa. Do not go out. Here it is in the Grand Mosque. Do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the Bible has given us enough information to know how this will happen. I love this text, and this is the, my favorite part of today's study. How can you be certain you will be ready when Jesus comes back? How can you know that when that flock of angels. Are you allowed to say flock of angels? Looks like birds. When, when the angel, when the heavens is full of angels, how can you know that you will be able to stand at that moment? Jesus tells you and tells me in John chapter 6, verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell this person these words of Jesus. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Can you say that to the person next to you? Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, if you are a boy talking to a girl, that doesn't count, okay? Or a girl talking to a boy, that's not the message that we want to give. <laughs> this is talking about God. Just, you know, because some people have a very funny mind. So just to make sure we are on the same page. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. But to do the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So you see, again, it's not about you. He says, this is about me. If the Father is calling you, if you sense a desire in your heart to be close to God, that is the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart. The devil will never call you to be close to God. 
So whenever you feel a desire to be closer to God, you can be certain that is the voice of God speaking to you. Whenever you feel a good desire, a lofty desire, a ethical desire, whatever name you want to give it, this is God speaking to you. And Jesus says, when God speaks to you and you respond, I will never reject you. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your presence. Your present, if you come to me, I will not reject you. And once you come to me, nobody can take you out of my hand. Because my Father's will is that I will keep you safe until that last day. And if you go to do the rest, then I will raise you up at that last day. I don't know about you, but I believe in Jesus and I believe in his word. And I believe that because of his promise, I can have peace and assurance in my heart. Now, what is one great danger that we need to avoid? The danger is to be careful. Because we can be weighed down with kerosene, with drunkenness, with the anxieties of life. And that day may close on us suddenly like a trap. Because it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. So we need to be always on the watch and pray that we might be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that we may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Do not get trapped in the rat race. There is more to life than a job. Some people's job is their life. They live to work. Change that thinking, men and woman. Change that thinking. You need to work to live, not live to work. Oh, I must work because if I don't work, what? Jesus says that life is more than the body. And if you are alive, God will take care of you. Jesus says that if you seek him first, he will give you all the things that you need. You need to start putting the horse in front and the cart behind and not the other way around. Put your life in harmony with God and things will go well for you. Both in this life and in the next. This is the very last question for you today. Do you want to be ready when Jesus returns for his people? Remember, this is not about you. This is about him. He said, whoever my father brings to me, I will never drive them out, but I will raise them up at the last day. Would you please close your eyes? Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the promise of the coming of Christ. The scriptures tell us, and this crazy world around us tell us, that you're soon, that your coming is very soon. And so, Lord, today we pray that as we begin this year, we will do it with open eyes to realize that we need to put you first, to realize that there are things in our life that are out of order, out of control, and you give us the power to bring these things into control. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, to put you first, and to see you do wonders in our lives. Please hold us in your hands until we can see you face to face. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.